Up next on Inside Champ Car, 24 hours to victory at VIR. Welcome to Inside Champ Car. I'm Brian Belansky. Bill Strong is here with us. See, Bill, on one screen, you're on the bottom left, and then on the other screen, you're on the top left. Bill, how did you do that? I, I don't no know. I have no clue where I am. No clue. It's, uh, we're trying something new here this weekend, folks. No, we, it's not a weekend. This weekday. <laughs> we're trying something new. Um, we'll see if it works or not. And we do have, uh, if we have sound issues, please let us know in the chat. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try and, oh, I will try and fix it as we go. It's all good. We're here talking about the VIR, the Lifeline 24-hour classic at VIR. With us today, we've got Doug Oakley and Tom O. Tom O'Gorman is here. Yep. Hey, let's helping us out talking about the race. Yep. And then uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to start out with the interview first. And then okay. that'll give you an idea of what happened. For those that don't know what happened, it's probably one of the hardest, uh, greatest races that Champ Car puts on. One of the oldest ones. So uh, let's start. Yeah, with let's uh, start out with uh, our post race interviews. Rockwell, Douglas Oakley, and you guys just won the Lifeline 24-Hour Classic. Yeah! Number one, baby! This is probably the hardest race for anybody in Champ Car to win. Absolutely. Uh, we've been trying this race for eight years. This is our first race we ran in Champ Car eight years ago. We said, oh, we can try a 24-hour. Since then, I've been hooked and obsessed with winning this race. You guys caught a break at the end there, man. That was, what, what was your feelings when that happened? You know, unfortunately, I, I knew our only, only way we could win this race was a little bit of luck. And sometimes the race got to shine on you, and that's what happened to us today. Extremely happy about it. We got a little contact earlier in the day that put us down. You know, race guys give, race guys take away. But in the end, we still got it done. I mean, you brought a full complement of people here to do this race because it takes it. Absolutely. But, of course, I want to thank my dad for giving me the opportunity to do all this stuff. My best friend, Doug, here, 
You know, as both of us working in the shop, building this car together, he gives us both the opportunity to just do this, come here and race together. I also want to thank Bridgestone Tires for supplying the tires for both the number one and the 715. And obviously, they're the best tires in, uh, in Champ Car. So who are your drivers today? Oh my God, we have, we have, we have the Keji told between two cars that we just, everybody rotated between the cars, but I mean, there's make, a, I'd have to, make sure I don't miss anybody. <laughs> we have John Cohen, Cohen Makeji Tobla, Nick Fontana, Alex Filsinger, Paul Filsinger, Preston Brown, Alex Rockwell, Eric Rockwell, Doug Oakley, and of course Tom O'Gorman was a real anchor man in this in this race. And there's a lot of names on there. Yes, absolutely. A lot of people wanted to come and race with us. We had a very long race, so excited to have the opportunity to get everyone here and get everyone on the podium together. So what was the hardest part for you throughout the whole race? When the car, yeah, unfortunately we had a contact. We had a fast car. We knew we had a fast car starting with it. And just unfortunately, wrong place, wrong time at night. And it took the car out. And we know we had to fight back from seven laps down to a very fast, visceral car. We knew that we, at, at that point, we needed to do 100% push to try to win this race. When did you know you had it? I, I never know I have it. Uh, I never say, I never say until the car crosses the finish line. Because I've seen so many races where at the end something happens just like it happened to uh, Visceral over here. Great guys to race against. Absolutely going nail and nail. I don't think I've ever seen a VR 24-hour race closer than this one. I mean, it's always, you know, been 20 laps, but we were battling lap four lap. Now, how many noises did you hear in that car? The last five laps there, the steering wheel has shook more than I've ever felt. The exhaust is hanging off. The transmission's grinding. But they made it. That's all that matters. And then we rebuild, and then we'll do another one. Right, guys, <laughs> congratulations. Winner here at the VAR, or Lifeline 24-hour classic at VAR. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. You always put it on the back for us. All right, man. You. Your son finally wins the, the Lifeline 24-hour classic. i got to tell you, this is one race we always wanted to win. Always eluded us. Such great competition, incredible cars. People are ready. you got to have luck. We did have a little bit of luck on our hands. And our, our head, you know, uh, our, my head is off to the competition. It was really, really great. At one point, I was one, two, three on the track. And uh, I'm glad for Eric. He didn't drive this one. He engineered this one. He stayed on that box, did not go off of it the entire night. He believed in it when we were six laps down. He changed the tow link in the car in uh, six minutes. We had contact. And that's what took us back. And he's the only one that believed it. Awesome race. I got to tell you, I... I I do a lot of racing. This one ranks at the, almost at the top of them all. This is probably one of the hardest races Champ Car has. Well, we have eight years that we've been trying here. I came here. The very first car, Champ Car race that we ever did was here with the Crown Vic at 24 hour. We didn't know what we were doing, but we had a great time. I didn't even know we were going to drive through the night. We thought we'd park it and just have a, uh, a sleep, a dinner, whatever. But then we pushed on through the night. And ever since then, I fell in love with this race. National champion, VIR 24 winner. What's next? Oh, I don't know, Bill. Let me enjoy this. <laughs> All right, man. Congrats. That was Thank awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you very Classic. much. Classic. I was going to say before we uh, went to the interviews that, Bill, you are also a race winner uh, in uh, F class with the uh, with Wittenauer, and congratulations for that. And, yeah, I, uh, I, I didn't. I just drove two hours or an hour and 55 minutes. And uh, those other guys, they whipped around that track like no tomorrow. I mean, they did really well. Kept the car out of trouble. Kept it out of the paddock. Um, they did their stuff. We finished first in F-Class. And uh, I just a small little – I kept it out of trouble. I didn't hit the, the, the Porsches, the, the leading Porsches there. Um, and, and it was uh, 11th overall, which is pretty impressive yeah. for F-Class. So, yeah. um, 
I think if I had gone a little harder, maybe we would have got 10. But it's not about me. It's we were just we were just a small cog here, but I'll tell you what. All right, so back to the yeah, those are the guys. Back to the questions that we uh we start with everybody. Uh, we'll start with Doug and uh and Tom. You're going to get a preview of the questions, you're going to get the unfair advantage here of actually being able to think about this. Um, Doug, we ask everybody, how did you get messed up in this crazy sport that we love? So, back in high school, me and Eric had mutual friends. Um, through having nice having cars and stuff like that so i would go over there to their house and they were working on cars that was at the time when they had the crown vic and that was they were doing their first champ car stuff i didn't go to the races with them till a couple years so me and eric started getting closer friends you know i started just helping them crew and stuff like that and just going to the shop all the time helping them and then eventually uh after i think 2019 vir 24 when i went with them we went to a track day and they let me hop in the miata and uh, I did that track day, and it was kind of – I fell in love with driving on track. And then it cycled through the Mustangs. We ran the endurance stuff, and then we always got back into the 24 every year. And then, uh, you know, that kind of just cycled down the line. Now we're doing IMSA. I do kind of all the work on the Audis and stuff like that for them and uh, the crew chief for the 10 car and the 15. And, you know, we just won the 24 VAR. So that was fun. Absolutely. All right, Tom, you know the question. How did you get mixed up with all of this? Well, I grew up in Ohio, uh, and my dad was a race fan since before I was born. And uh, he started taking me to mid-Ohio as a spectator when I was in diapers. And we were always, like, on the fence for every spectator race. It was just our, our like, father-son thing. But we were never participants until I think I was, like, 14 maybe. And my dad found autocross through my cousin, who... 10 years older than me, he started doing it on his own. We kind of knew like Sean did something with his MR2, but we didn't really know what it was until we finally went and saw it. Like, oh, this this is cool. And my dad just got a Miata around that same time. Uh, I couldn't drive for the first year until I was about 15. But when we started driving together, it was just like my thing. Uh, it was the thing that I loved the most. It was it was something that I had been, you know, all I ever had before that was Hot Wheels and slot cars and and racing games. And it was just everything led up to that like now i'm a participant and it's just snowballed so i did about seven eight years of, of hardcore autocrossing through like up to nationals uh and then when i won my first national championship i was like i need to try something more or i'm going to just do this the rest of my life and i bought uh, not to make it sound too easy but i bought a road race car and started road racing with secca and then really quickly ended up getting a, a chance to crowdfund campaign and go pro racing in Pirelli world challenge in 2015 got in with Honda. I raced for Honda up until COVID. And then ever since I've been kind of making my living driver coaching and trying to stay in cars and around motorsports as much as I can. Now, Tom, you mentioned something just in that, in that <laughs> you said MR2, who was Sean? Sean O'Gorman, my cousin. Oh, okay. So, you know, him? maybe the name. So your last name always sounded familiar. And, you know, I ran like the, the largest MR2 club in the world. Yeah. And uh, MR2 OC and pretty much anybody at race visited it once or twice. So yeah, that, that, okay. MR2 is good. Good start. You said, you said the magic words, Tom. I, when yeah. you said MR2, yeah. Bill lit up like, Oh my God, an MR2 guy. <laughs> well, it's yeah. Funny. He had like a, it was an NA with a T top. So it was yeah. red, that was his e-stock car at the time. And then I actually did my first autocross nationals in an MR2 as well. Uh, like a yellow slick top version. It was, it was awesome. 
Well, it's funny because there's a Ford, te- or there's a Ford driver. Um, what's his name? Jimmy or Johnson. Um, uh, gosh, darn it. Forget his name now. Runs in uh, pretty much everything at the top end in Ford. Um, but yeah, he, this guy, uh, darn it. Cannot think of his name right now. Old, old guy thing just started up. But yeah, it's, he's a, yeah, MR2 guy as well. A lot of them started up in with MR2s because I guess it's the kind of the right platform, fairly cheap to race. And uh, very quick, especially with autocrossing. Um, but uh, now you've, how, how did, so did that MR2 experience translate over to what you're driving now with uh, Rockwell, which is the uh, Boxster? It's honestly not that far off because they're kind of 90s mid-engine type cars. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the MR2 is a little more finicky handling than the Boxsters, especially the way the the Rockwell cars are built with the aero and the they're they're very stable. They're super confidence inspiring. Uh, so I think that's why you know we basically had ten drivers across the two uh, the two cars number one and number seven fifteen, uh, and then we had four or five more uh, drivers who had never driven the cars before, to my understanding, in the ten. Uh, and I think that's why everybody was so strong at the gate. It's just the cars are very easy versus like the MR2 that I was autocrossing. Right. You could get out of shape a little bit with the weight transfer in those cars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you, um, Doug, you were, you were the crew chief, right? You didn't, you did drive at the end, right? No, I drove uh three stints in the one car. Okay. So I started and then I drove the second last stint and then I did the last like victory five laps. Now, how did yeah. you? Now, how did you get started racing? I mean, doing this at this level. Uh, so, like I said, I kind of just was tagging along with them back with uh, when we were doing like the Mustangs and AER and stuff like that. And eventually, I they were, I built their trust where they let me hop in the car and do some laps on the, like the test days before the weekends and stuff like that. And I eventually had some speed, so I was able to start racing. They would let me hop in the car and do a stint during the weekend because you know the endurance races there's six seven cents in the day right. in AR, so i was able to take one of them usually and it would let me race i was very appreciative of that i i hate to fast forward to the end but you just already mentioned it so i'm going to ask you we're watching the race i was on at the end of the broadcast and and i, I i'm i'm usually the mathematician of the champ car broadcast when i'm on and yeah, i did all of the numbers and you <laughs> you guys came in at about a minute an hour 57 to go so I knew that you didn't need to come in for a pit stop at the end. And when you guys pulled in, I was in major baffle mode. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world are these guys doing? Did they not did they not get enough gas in, all this kind of stuff? And then we found out from one of your drivers was in our chat, Mac. Um, he said, no, they put Doug in the car just to get in the car for the checkered flag. Mm-hmm. And first of all, what, what was how did that work out? Well, the goal was uh, I kind of wanted to start and finish the race. Okay. And with having the contact in the middle of the night, we knew we were kind of behind the ball. So our driver order kind of got changed up throughout the end. Okay. And But still wanted to finish. And we knew we had time. And I knew me and Tom could do a pretty fast driver change. So I kind of just hopped in there and did the last five victory laps when that yellow came out. And, yeah. So everybody needs to go back to the broadcast. We had the in-car video as you were crossing. I have never, well, not never. It was so cool to see how excited you were coming oh, yeah. across the line, you know, fist pumping and, and cheering for everybody. I was just, it was really cool to see. So Yeah, man, no, it was awesome. Especially in the middle of the night when we were seven laps back. Right. And there, I was, I kind of thought it was over at that point, you know. <laughs> 
I so my favorite part of that. My favorite part of that at the finish when you were watching him, like he's fist pumping and stuff. Yeah. He still <laughs> broke at our break point and still was like full 10 10 speed in turn one and everything. It's like he didn't stop racing, but he was celebrating. Yeah. yeah, so yeah a lot of guys like come almost to a stop there. As soon as they cross that line, it's like, I can, yeah. you know, and they, he just kept going. I'm just watching. Yeah. I had to follow, kind of move around <laughs> and follow the next guy coming across. And it was like, yeah. he's not stopping. <laughs> You know, the car was feeling rough. I definitely wanted to make sure I had some speed to get across the line in case anything happened. <laughs> so you said that in the interview. What was uh, what was happening to the car? So I have done my two hours before Tom and the car. I handed it off to Tom. It felt great. I don't know what Tom had done. Um, he did have a spin, I think, maybe once or twice. The ABS was gone at that point. So maybe a couple lockups. But definitely no, I had, shaking a lot. <laughs> I didn't notice it that much different throughout my stint. I had my I had a little contact in the sunrise stint at like 5 a.m. 6 a.m. Uh, but I mean the car was the same from before and after that. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was just like the have you guys gone over the car? Obviously you haven't gone over the car at all to know if it was whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. I think it was something in the right front, a little bit more wobbly. Something with tire wear or something happened. It's, it doesn't yeah. matter yeah. though. The car made it. All that matters. You got a trophy, man. That's what matters. Let's go with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So let's go back to before the the problems that made you guys go back to seventh. When I uh, was on in the in the early early evening hours uh, of the broadcast, you guys were were right up there with Visceral, going back and forth on pit stop here, pit stop there, and uh, that's when I learned that Visceral could go two stints without adding fuel. And again, I'm the math guy. I'm like, wow, that's that's dang near unovercomable. Um, and I was really kind of figuring where this was all going to play out. And then I, I weaseled out, took a nap for a couple of hours and came back for the final two hours. And then you guys were behind. So what happened to get you seven laps down? And then tell us a little bit about how uh, you guys had to you know, go through to get that car back on the racetrack. Well, so the race started off really good. Me and Tom started, I started in the one, Tom started in the 715. I was told we were starting 70th. I kind of think we started more like 50th. But uh, at the end of the stint, me and Tom just stayed together the whole entire two hours in my car. And uh, we ended up getting, I think, the fourth and fifth at the end of our stints. So it was a good opening stint. And then we put another uh, Mac in the car. And he was able to drive to the lead. He was He's a phenomenal driver. He's super fast. And then uh, Alex got in the car. And then we cycled through the drivers. And, uh, and then the dark came. And that's when it got interesting, as it usually does, right? Sure. And uh, I think up the top of the S's into 10, where we were, we, it was pretty easy to make a pass for us into 10 and make go to the inside of the car. As long as they knew you were there, you kind of could sneak up the inside of them. I don't think, I think with the headlights and the car that they were chasing, it kind of distracted one of the drivers and maybe didn't see him in the mirror. Our driver probably should have slowed down a little bit, but you know, it's in the dark. No one knows what happens. We had made contact and uh, we broke a tow link in the rear end. And at that point, you know, you're kind of like, uh, this, is, this is not very good. You know, we're only we're only up a half a lap on Visceral at this point after 10 hours. So, to, and then we end up going to the garage. Eric changes the tow link very fast. I think it was three or four laps in the green, and then we got lucky and it went yellow. So we were able to get back out. Not too bad of damage, but we were still seven laps down. And, you know, at that point, it's kind of like, is this even overcomable? Um, Eric never failed to believe that we could still come back. I kind of had lost hope, but, you know, we still pushed it on. 
So I don't know the Boxster very well. Um, is the toe link a common thing that you guys have probably had to do a couple times so we knew what he was doing real fast? It's not a common thing, the break, but it is very accessible to get to as it's in the it's in the open in the back of the car. It's just a it's a ball joint on the end with a bolt on the inside that's a you know, like the caster bolt that you adjust it right from there. So it's pretty easy to swap. Um, I did hear they had some trouble in the garage with one of them breaking as it went in. I wasn't there to see, but it could have been quicker from what I heard. But, you know, it didn't really matter at that point. But, and is that an alignment piece where it's got to be set at the right at the right length? Yeah, well, luckily the washer has – yeah, well, the washer has marks on it, so you could kind of just go back to where it was without really having to throw the plates or anything on it. So at that point, seven laps down, I guess, when he came back in. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys have to rethink the driver order to get, get get the hot shoes back in to start pushing up back towards the front again? I mean, luckily, with our driver lineup we already had, it kind of didn't change too much. I think Tom might have did an extra stint at the end, and I did an extra stint at the end. Um, but we we had we had star lineup. Everyone like A lot of people like to come drive with us, so it wasn't very hard to find the good drivers to come with us. You know, we reached out to everybody that – we are friends with in the IMSA paddock, you know, they're all around people that we haven't raced before that said they're fast. So we let them come, you know, but we were changed they, it around a little bit, but it was pretty similar to what it was supposed to be. So they said they were fast. Were they fast? Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, Nick Montana and John Cohen. They're, they were first time driving with us. Awesome drivers. Uh, Nick actually had a little mishap. He forgot to put his cool shirt on during his stint. Oh. And uh, got a little overheated, so he had to end his stint a little early, but there's no harm, no foul. Well, yeah. you know, with a name like Montana, he's got to be a badass. Yeah, no, Nick's a good guy. <laughs> super fast. Tom, you, you've been around, done a ton of stuff. Um, you know, you've got your pro racing background, championships, a, 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 a veritable cornucopia of trophies over your shoulder there. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I've got trophy envy. I'm just putting it out yeah. there right there. Um, well, your wall, I can't see your wall, but I'm sure it's covered. Yeah. Well, there's one little one there. Yeah. Um, I'll explain that when some other, some other show, uh, <laughs> but no, um, you come to, to champ car, you, you do, you do the VIR 24. What's the attraction for you to come to a champ car race? Oh, so honestly, like I said, I started with autocross. I'm still like a grassroots, like, I can't believe I get to do this stuff at all <laughs> like I, I just love it so much so like there may be some illusion that i'm like i'm a professional race car driver that uh that you know i i make time for champ car or something but like if someone's like come race champ car some race, come race any series like I, you give me keys to something i'm going to come drive it and and i i don't really get the chance you know i got to do pro racing kind of a weird roundabout way with getting in with honda and ever since that ended during covid to be honest, Rockwell's really the only team that has sort of stayed in touch with me. And, and I didn't, I, I didn't do a great job of building my network to stay in touch with other teams. Uh, so all that to say, like, uh, for them to offer me, like I got to race Daytona with them earlier this year in the TCR cars. Um, the car that I was driving actually ended up getting taken out of the race before I got to race it in that race. So as kind of a, like a consolation, like they felt bad, like you didn't get to race in the IMSA race. So if you want to come race the champ car race at the, the championships, the following weekend at road Atlanta, like, come on down. We'll get you. A, we'll get you a stint in that car. And of course, I'm like, Hell, heck yeah, I'm gonna do that. So we we go down. And originally, I was gonna do one stint. And then we got kind of behind the eight ball in that race. And they ended up throwing me in the car. I think I did about six and a half hours of that 14 hour race in in the one car when we won. And and that was like just the coolest thing ever. Like we didn't really expect 
I, I didn't expect to drive a whole lot, but I expected that the team was going to do super well. Like Doug said, all the, all the drivers are always very fast. So to me, honestly, this, this race was the, the part that I was most nervous about was the potential that that might happen again. Like, Hey, we're behind the eight ball a little bit. Like you're going to drive more than you expected. So originally I was supposed to start the seven fifteen and do the 2 a.m. stint in the one. And that was it. Uh, and then when we got a little behind because of the contact and the, the incident with the one, I ended up doing three stints in that car. Uh, and I did an additional stint in the 715. So I did six stints total uh, this race. And with how hot it was, and I don't have a cool shirt. So all that was like, just make sure that you're physically capable of staying in the car and hydrated and have energy. And like, I, I slept two hours, but that's more than most of these other guys slept to make the cars run. And it was just like a blast. I don't know. It's to me, this so, is just as cool as the IMSA race in most ways. So, so wait a second. You did 10 hours between the two cars without a cool suit. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. No cool. suit. So Bill did two hours and was <laughs> cramping for the next 48 hours. No, 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 yeah. wait, wait, wait a second. So when I, I drove, I don't wear a cool shirt. I wear the Valero, you know, the underwear that's like, like a cool shirt. It works really well. But my issue was mainly because of uh, the Sunday, the Saturday night, you know, not the stint itself, but after that, my works, my work regime with the, uh, the lack of eating and drinking and sleeping and probably eight cups of coffee, you know, that probably didn't help me either. So, yeah, that'll dehydrate you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the show had to go on. So. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so what's it like though to do 10 hours in? Yeah. I, I don't think the, the temps ever got below, even at night, I don't think they got much below 80, 80 degrees or so. And the humidity was way up there. The dew point was high. That must've been exciting. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like I said, from the previous race, I knew there was the potential that I would drive more than I expected. So I, I planned ahead, like I, I learned a lot about my body when I was pro racing. And that, and that was one of the big takeaways. So I learned if you start hydrating two days before, and you just you drown yourself in water for two days before you get in the car for the actual race, the, the, the water you're drinking the day of is not doing you a lot of good. So you're, you're basically super saturated up till two days before for the race into the race. And then every time I get out of the car, I, uh, I pound like four or five Gatorade or some sort of electrolyte drinks, Pedialyte, whatever. And then I always eat something high carb and just like higher quantity than I normally would eat. So I have the energy to go to the next stint if I need it. And then it kind of worked. Luckily I got a lot of the, I got the sunset stint, the middle of the night stint and the sunrise stint. So I got three of those five were kind of in a more peaceful, cooler environment. Yeah. But to be honest, like when, when we finished, so Doug got in for the last couple laps and I like the adrenaline was still pumping. We're watching, we don't know if we have enough fuel and all this. And then we finish and just all the adrenaline left my body and I was done. Like just toast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like wandering around the paddock trying to find whatever I need to pack my stuff up. And I'm just like losing. Th it was bad, but we made it. But, and, and we've talked about this, Bill and I, on, on multiple shows about when we have these longer races, especially the summer races, how it's really important to know your body and, and do the right things leading up to it. So uh, it, the, all the preaching Bill and I have done folks, it's not for naught. We actually kind of once in a while know what we're talking about. So um, it's just a good case study on, on how to get through that kind of a situation. So really cool. Now, Tom, and I will say we, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you finish yours and I'll ask my question. I was just going to say we had, we had four or five, like, I think, I don't know, maybe I wasn't there the whole time. So Doug can maybe add to this, but uh, we had four guys basically run five guys run the pit stops and everything 
Yeah, there's four of them. And then we Eric had Rockwell a... ran the strategy. Yeah. I think I don't think Eric drove. No, Eric's not driving. So, he just like, did the strategy. Yes, I drove a lot and stuff, but those guys like pounded through the entire thing. They did every fuel stop, every tire change. Eric did the strategy the entire time. So like I kind of still had it easy, I think. <laughs> so Tom, the number one question up and down pit lane was, what hair products do you use? <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it just does this it just does this. no it's called suavecito uh-huh. strong clay look it up i'm gonna try to get a sponsorship clay. now james clay also has that big uh big hair too it's true yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm not gonna talk to him like that though because he's like way bigger, <laughs> way bigger. um now I, I i actually visited the uh rockwell uh, pit lane Taj Mahal thing they had there. <laughs> Pretty cool. They had the full TV outlet going. All the cars had cameras uh, that went back to there. You had communications going on. You had guys with calculators and slide rules. Um, I don't know if the young guys knew how to use the slide rules, but there was a few old guys there. So, I mean, how, there's a lot of data that you guys are getting. I mean, did that data help you win this race? Or if all of a sudden you had a power surge or something would you would you have been still been able to do this the i mean the only thing that really was like helpful was we had the coolant temp in the one car because this car's always had an overheating issue so it kind of was able eric was able to monitor it from the pit box and like the driver didn't really have to focus on the coolant temp itself so eric would either say hey you can pick it up you can back you got to back it off a little bit we got coming to a stop you got to cool the car down a little more so that was kind of the only data we had going back to the box besides the live video, which is always just nice to watch, you know. Now, Doug, we have a question for Mac. He says, uh, uh, <laughs> how, bad, how bad was it on you on your vision during the restart after Atlanta Speedworks oiled the track down? Yeah, it's funny that Mac says that. Um, I had, Mac wasn't supposed to drive, and we, had, we actually were having people not wanting to drive in the morning after so many stints. So Mac came to help out for the weekend. He's driven with us before. So I woke him up in the RV and I was like, Hey Mac, you're getting in the car. I threw him in the car and then we went out there and that was when uh, ATL boiled down the whole track with the transmission issue. So we did, I don't know, I think 11 laps under code 35 in that beginning of that stint. And then once it went green, I was right behind him and he drove right through all the dust and I went down the black back straightaway completely blind. But you know, it's all good and fun though. It's all part of the, yeah, we were talking about that because I the first uh, race I ever did at VIR was uh, Tony Stewart actually laid down oil coming out. We were running the 24 on the south course. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Chump Car's first uh, 24 there. And Tony Stewart oiled down the track coming out of um, Oak Tree. And I remember them laying this stuff down. And I went to go past somebody on the restart. And... <laughs> They didn't. They didn't have a blower or something, so it was just basically driving through all basically the sand on the whole track. And in the <laughs> MR2, the airflow goes from the bottom up through the engine bay. And guess what's in your engine bay? Your air cleaner. Oh yeah. boy! Concrete. When we were done. <laughs> yeah, there was a decent amount of oil downs. I was kind of more surprised than normal. <clears throat> and then it, here's a good one. On the test day, uh, on Friday, we had pulled the cars out of the trailer. Me and Eric wanted to do the shakedown before we put anybody else in the car as we normally do. We go on the first lap, we come over the top of the roller coaster, and the whole left-hander after you make the right and top, I guess, was covered in oil. There was no debris flag or anything. So me and him, in pirouette, flew off the track together. I ripped the splitter off the one car, and then Eric's car was better because it's better splitter on it because it was a secondary version. And, uh, and then a lap later, that car actually blew up. 
so we did the engine Friday at Quantum at the track. Yeah. And then it, so that was a interesting start to the 24 itself. Yeah, we did have a lot of oil downs. We had about $17,000 worth of track damage. That's what I heard. Yeah. I heard uh, some of the drivers got some bills for some oil dry. <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, that's so, the whole 24 hour too. So, yeah. So, Doug, you guys had three cars, right? Three cars, yeah. The one, the 715, and the, the 10. What kind of a monumental effort is it leading up to the race to just A, deliver three cars, but then, and, and what kind of, of satisfaction is it at the end of the race when all three cars finish in the top 10? Yeah, I mean, that. There we go. Um, the effort to get the three cars ready for the beginning of the race is just astronomical, especially trying to run the full IMSA season as well, packing it in between there. Because we were at Road America the week before, and uh, we came back, and uh, the cars really weren't ready, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but, you know, we have Eric's very, Eric does a lot of the work on the cars. He's very smart, he's very knowledgeable. He's able to get a lot of the stuff done very quick. I'm in there helping him out as much as I can. Boxers aren't my specialty, but uh, and then we have Chris Rollo also. He, he works in the shop a lot with us. He kind of head solos the 10 car, so we didn't really have to worry about the 10. He kind of took care of that. Me, Eric, and Alex kind of did the one and the 715. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of work to get those cars ready for the race, and it definitely felt good to have all three of them finished, especially in the top 10. Yeah, I really thought when you guys came in for the pit stop that maybe you were trying to get all three cars lined up for that beautiful photo at the end. Um, yeah, we had thought about it, but we didn't want to really take any chances at that point. You know, it was we had overcome already this this huge detrimental in the beginning, of the, the middle middle of the race. That you know, like let's just finish this thing out and make sure it happens. You know, I mean, all it takes is one, but somebody just didn't. Tap. Exactly. Tap your bumper, it hits the wheel, breaks the tail arm, you know, something like that. Yeah. So it was just like, let me go. I, I went out there for the last five laps. I think I was 15 seconds off the norm, our normal pace. It was just cruise the car to the home, you know, get that race over with. Well, we, win. Did you guys know that Visceral, that we haven't seen the interview yet, but Juan actually talks about uh, Visceral and with you guys going back and forth, you used up a lot of his fuel, or you made him use up a lot of it. Yeah, I definitely know that car can go a decent amount on fuel. I think it's like close to three hours. That's why they do very well in those odd odd hour races because they're able to save a fuel stop, and they usually win. It's like, and um, but Visceral's so fast; they're they're very fast. That car is really good. You know, in the first ten hours, I think we only gained like forty seconds on them. So when we saw it was seven laps, you know, it was kind of like. I don't know this is going to happen, but, you know, we all pushed through the night. Tom drove super hard through the night. Mac drove hard. I drove hard. And uh, we were able to bring back a lot of the laps on pace alone. And then I was in the morning stint when uh, they had their, I think, I don't know what happened. They had a fuel line break or something like that. And they had to go behind the wall. And at that point I was, I was pushing full out as far as the car can go. You know, there was no mercy at that point. It was just, we got to drive as fast as we can. And, uh, we got black flag for I think a vent line. Yeah, and then I heard I, uh, I, Eric comes over the radio that that car's behind the wall. He's like, "Stay pushing. We don't know what's gonna happen." So I'm pushing and pushing and pushing, and then I actually we when, when we were about to make the pass, I guess it would be. I had seen them coming out of the paddock on the pit lane, so like I knew it was good. And then you know went around and uh, 
then I think that yeah. then they it got was... black flags. So then I was ended up being behind them. You know, I didn't pass them because I didn't want to. You know, there was no reason to. So we just drove around, and you know, handed yeah, Carl to Tom. They took a chance on the entry back into the pit lane and kind of got caught out on that. So was it uh, was it speeding in the pits or something like that? I heard it might have been. I don't yeah. know. Well, not necessarily speeding down the pit lane, but the way they entered from the cold, okay, aging area. Yeah, yeah, the false grid. Yeah, the false grid. Because we, only the second year we've done that one. So I came back and he didn't, I guess the, there's a corner worker there. Yeah, they let you on and off the track. Yeah. yeah. There there was a lot of talk on the radio, you know, the the flagger channel about it. And finally the the track said, yeah, we need to, we need to slap a hand. So, uh, Mm -hmm. well, and, and visceral also, there was a, a full course yellow there for two hours to go when, when you guys came in and they chose yep. not to. And well, we, I, asked, yep. I asked them that question. Okay. So yeah. And what did they say? Basically he had it down. You know, he knew what he had to do and where he had to do it. Um, and the way we were thinking wasn't the way he was thinking. So right. Mm-hmm. Cause if it. he had come in there, they had to do another stop with about 40 minutes to go. Right. Just because they the driver had a time. driver change, yeah. you know, and, um, yeah. you know, I think that may have been really the difference in the end. And they had a problem in the last couple laps, too, where they pulled in. I don't mm-hmm. know what the situation right. was. Well, that was the black flag. Yeah, that oh, was, that was yeah. black flag. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, maybe they, that's they why the, that stop under the full course. They wouldn't have had gotten caught speeding. Right. And agreed. Well, you yeah. Play, and you play the purples. I mean, you, you, you could definitely play the purples for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's how we ended up. So when I got in at midnight, I think I was, we were four laps down when I got in at midnight, when I got in at 6 AM, I think we were just under three, like it was ticking between two and three. And Mm -hmm. when I got out of that stint, it was going to be me, Doug, me, and then Doug for the finish if we could. Right. So it was, uh, I think when I got out of that stint, it was a lap and a half and Doug was in and we were trying to catch him, trying to catch him, trying to catch him. Purple comes out. We know that they, they take this pit stop, but then as soon as they come in the pit lane, it goes back to green. And we like, we go from a lap and a half down to two laps up and then they go behind the wall and then they get their penalty. And now we're three laps up. And it was like, well, how did all that just happen? Yeah. It was, it was pretty wild. But the, the, this, at least the more stressful part for me was in that morning sunrise stint from six to eight. Uh, I ran the car out of fuel in like seven or eight minutes less than they anticipated. Cause we were more green and I was pushing hard. Right. So we put, we go out for the last stint and it's, I think you said an hour and 57 minutes, but I had yep. run the car out in, in less than that. <laughs> so we were in, we need to catch up mode. Uh, no, we were already leading, but we need to still make sure that we make it to the end. Cause if the car sure. hiccups and we need a fuel, then we're going to lose that three lap lead. Uh, so, I mean, it was just like the, you know, the stress goes this and this and this and this and this mm-hmm. and this. So well, are, and I, 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 are you guys able to watch leaders for hour being used by the car? No, we, at the one car actually has no fuel gauge at all. Yeah. So we kind of we we kind of just assume it goes two hours, you know. That's obviously the max drive time. So it will give you like a hiccup, and then you got to come in. It won't make it around another lap usually. So yeah. that's kind of our sign. Hey, time to bring her in the pits. But yeah, the fuel gauge kind of broke last year at the twenty four, and uh, it kind of really <laughs> hasn't been on the list of priorities. So <laughs> well, and in most of these races, you have. More, yeah. more code 35s and right. by the end of this 24 hour right you it, the chance of getting an actual two hour run is kind of high because everyone's yeah just in the rhythm at that point so sure yeah and, and i know exactly how the strategy thing goes with with visceral I, I my first endurance race i i got 
I, you fall in love with your strategy. You know, you fall in love with your plan and, and you don't want to change it, but then you have to adapt to what happens with, with the race coming at you. And I didn't the first time I did an endurance race and I was doing strategy, learned the hard way and mm-hmm. um, never made that mistake a second time. You just kind of have to realize that whatever the plan is may change at any moment. Yeah. Especially with not having a pace car to get laps back like it used to be with the code 35. Now it's kind of, you gotta, you could definitely play the code 35 to work your way back. Um, but you got to watch that you're not going too early. Cause then you're going to run yourself into a bottleneck of needing too many stops. So yeah, just by having the code 35, I hadn't thought about that. It kind of makes it almost a lot more old school, you know, because there's not that option to, you know, catch a lap back. You don't get to catch up a whole lap when you go full course yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you, you really have to drive the car back to the lead if you lose some time, right? Yeah. Well, luckily at VIR, the lap time being under code 35, it was about five and a half minutes. You could pretty much do a fuel stop under purple and not lose a lap. That's so big. if you're able to get in under purple and not lose a lap and then the other team goes in under green – yeah, you could get two laps right there as so long as you timed it right. So what you're saying is we should increase the pit stop time once that fuel cap comes off to 10 minutes. Uh, I think we should bring back the safety car and make these races <laughs> tighter. <laughs> I mean, if, if we didn't break and I like, think – go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to go back to just having just quick fuel stops. but <laughs> Yeah, no, the safety thing, I understand it how it is and everything. That makes sense, though. Yeah, splash and dash. Yeah, yeah, then you get drivers rushing out of the pits, not putting their belts on right and stuff like that. You know, there are drivers out there who may be their first time on track. You definitely don't want them going out there with loose belts and having to figure it out on track. Yeah, you know, it it makes sense. Yeah, we discovered that you know it's true, but you you have these guys that you know build up that resume a bit more than it really should have, and they get out there and you find out, oh, they weren't really. Yeah. Exactly. But you know, it's it's a great series because it's so welcoming to everybody. You know, we're there doing it at the top of the spectrum, and then you got guys that are down lower, and they're having just as much fun, and we're having just as much fun. That's the. It was interesting to me because just to to that point, the issues that caused the cold thirty fives were primarily oil downs and mechanicals. There was there was everyone kept pretty clean throughout the race, and especially with the drastic speed differentials between the front runners and the 50 60th cars back yeah. um and i wasn't there for the whole race but the parts i the, the seven hours i was calling um it was more mechanical oil down stuff than anything else yeah i really didn't see too many crashes in the, i was in the car six hours of the race tom was in there i think eight or ten and I, I don't think i don't really see too many crashes compared to like road atlanta where i definitely seen a few cars get smashed up during my stints who was that? Yeah. Who was in the car uh, during the big wreck at like 11 a.m. or whatever? The, going into Oak Tree or up there somewhere? There's a huge wreck. The cars everywhere. Nobody. Uh, you would know. You would remember it. I don't remember that one. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I, 11 a.m. seems like it would be. 11 top. p.m. I'm sorry. 11 p.m. 11 p.m. Oh. oh. Uh, are you, are well, you talking about the Boxster with all the front damage? No, nah, there was a. I want to say Betty White was uh, like sideways somewhere. Oh, oh, yeah. I heard they were actually in the garage next to us. The driver was telling me about that. He had to 
went through the S's and the car just broke out on him and he just spun out up the hill. Yeah. And, and I think the car next to him hit the wall or something like that. And yeah. There were there were probably 20 cars right behind him. Mm-hmm. And, and Visceral, so funny, uh, Steve Sawicki, who we've had on our show, used to drive for Visceral. And he's the guy that got Visceral's car upside down and, you know, some other issues. And uh, Steve's driving a Miata and um, went up there and just saw all these cars all over the place, hit the brakes, cars spun around, and he just watched himself backing in towards Visceral. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like, no, no, no. But, you know, it didn't hit anybody, but it was yeah. like, yeah. And then somebody lost a door, too. It, and Mac is saying that they ran over a door. Yeah, I, I heard from the 715 car that uh, a door flew off and it bounced right off the hood and over the top of the cage. Well, and <laughs> it was a passenger door. I, I think it was like a door skin, right? Something like that. <laughs> Unless they were opening up the passenger door to help get the driver in and out. I'm yeah. like, why is the passenger door? <laughs> run those doors that you pull off. You know, you, you can open it completely and you pull it off to make easy access when you're working on, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah, that's how the boxes are. If you just open the door and lift it up, it could just fly right off, I guess. Yeah. 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 So um, any interesting uh, – oh, who was in the car for the third stint? Any of you guys? Third stint. The third stint was Alex Rockwell. He was in the oh, car for the third Alex. stint. Yeah. He was really nice to me out there, so that was that was good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, because he knew if he ran you over, Bill, you'd have to come on a broadcast and talk about it. I'm pretty sure they had no clue who was in that car. I don't think anybody did. So, yeah. but yeah, just some slow old guy, you know, giving them a go, go around me. You know, so, <laughs> those kids in the red, white, and blue uh, American wheel cars, man, they were. Flashing me going up the S's, just flashing, 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 just cars going side to side, you know, right behind me. It's like, dude, where am I going to go? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's you spots want- to pass. There's spots definitely not to pass. You know, you got to be patient for sure. That's my home track. So I wasn't moving, you know. Oh, yeah. No it's territory. Can get around. <laughs> so really messed up yeah. his momentum, I guess. But um, <laughs> now, uh, what was the most exciting part of the race for you other than winning? Tom, we'll start with you. Anything really exciting happen overnight that just got your blood boiling or or just made you laugh? Uh, <laughs> well, okay, this is just generic. I always love at the end or whenever your stint's done, someone comes up and is like, I'm really sorry about that thing. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's been two <laughs> hours. Uh, like, there's so, so much happened. I don't even know what car it was or anything. But um, we did have the ABS go out in the one car sometime between when I got out at 2 in the morning and when I went back in at 6 a.m., so I wake up at 5.15, I walk down to pit lane 5.30, and they go, our uh, ABS is gone. I'm like, oh boy, okay. But luckily <laughs> the car was, yeah, I, most of what I've driven in the last bunch of years is Hondas. And as soon as the ABS goes out, it throws a ton of bias to the rear, and the cars are a complete nightmare to drive. Uh, and luckily the Boxsters were quite tame for the most part until you like really needed to be precise, and then it got a little scary. Um, but that was, I think, an additional drama we didn't even talk about yet. <laughs> yeah. So no ABS is definitely fun when you're someone cuts early, in early on you. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and especially like when the when the sun came up and it started to get ninety degrees again, the rear tires yeah, get yeah. hot. Like the whole thing was just we wanted to be backwards all the time. But <laughs> thankfully, like they're they're, they're so stable when they get hairy, they're still super drivable. Sorry, go ahead. I say if it if it had rained, that would have been even more adventurous. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. the rain. Bring it on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me too. Doug, how about you? What was the what was the craziest most whatever? I think the, the best part of the race for me was definitely 
getting to start starting in champ car in those cars is always a blast because you're you're passing a ton of cars, and the fact that me and Tom were literally nose to tail the whole entire time. It was just it was a good time just driving together and just driving through up to the front. It was uh, that was definitely my favorite part of the race besides finish. You know, right? <laughs> was was that by design at the front? Did you plan to hook up and and drive to the front that way? Yeah, I mean, me and Tom are the most familiar with the cars, so it kind of made sense for us to start. And uh, I kind of let him lead the way because he's, uh, I don't know, Tom's a great driver. He's definitely quicker than me. So I let him lead the way, open the gaps, and I just followed him through. But the yeah. tricky part is when you start, you know, with these random grids, like we, we have three team cars. They're going to start nose to tail every time, yeah. no matter what. And part of it is like we're racing through the field together, but every once in a while something happens and we're trying not to trip over each other or like mess each other up. So it was a little, it got a little awkward a couple of times, but for the most part, we were just like, all right, let's, let's get through all this. And oh, yeah. I let him by for a little bit. He let me by for a little bit and we just kept picking through. Oh, and then another moment, well, actually I gotta add this at the end of that stint, that was when Tom ran out early. I had been behind him and I seen him slowing down and I, it was just on the back straightaway. So I was going to drive around him. Eric comes on the radio. He's like, hold up, hold up, hold up, stay behind Tom. He might run out of gas. You might need to push him back to pit lane. <laughs> so, you know, that that was a, that would have been interesting if that would have happened. I don't know what happened would have happened to the splitter, but, you know, we definitely would have made something happen there. And bump drafting is illegal. But it's that's not bump drafting. drafting. That's pushing. It's just pushing. You know, it's helping, <laughs> it's helping a fellow racer out, right? That's yeah, what it's all about. Explain <laughs> that to Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, Luckily, we didn't have to do that, though. So you know, the, last, the last question right now is going to be uh, – uh, from Charles Coleman, he says, "Is it expensive to run a uh, Porsche Boxster?" When I say we ran, we built, we prepped the car before the championship. We put like new control arms and stuff on it, um, new transmission, just because. All we did from the twenty from the championship, we also raced Watkins Glen, and the twenty four was change the oil and the hubs. So the cars, once you build them, which they're not very expensive to build, once you build those cars, they are very cheap to run. You can run them on any tire, and they drive amazing. And uh, the 10 car we had put on the Kumo, and that's the same tire that we ran at Daytona, and we ran at the 24. And so, you know, you could run the same set of tires at multiple races on those cars, and the, the cars still are fast. I think the guys are doing 17, 18s in them. And uh, the brake pads, they last the whole entire race. I think you could do two more 24s on the brake pads. Wow, yeah. You know, so the cars are low, very low maintenance cars. Besides, we do the hubs often because people, we do hear there's hub problems. But, I mean, just doing the wheel bearings, it's not, not that big of a deal. And you run 18-inch wheels? Yeah, we run 18-inch wheels on the 715 and the, the 1 on the, the 10, we run a 17. Yeah. Was that really the last question? Because I have a last question. No, you, you go with the last question. That was my <laughs> last question. No, I was just going to say... um we had the, the marching ants going throughout the race and we were able to watch that. And we, we talked multiple times in the last five hours, six hours, how many cars were still running out there. Uh, lack of attrition. I mean, even when, when you have a lot of attrition, there's still 50, 60 cars um, at the end of that race. What was it like in those, those final couple of hours when you would maybe think, wow, we're going to get a little bit of a break here eventually. And that break never came. Uh, it was, it was, I think it kind okay. of, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it seemed like it was on more of a bell curve of like, it was the busiest at the beginning and the end and mm -hmm. kind of through the middle of the night was kind of when it got a little 
more peaceful, maybe like the 2 to 6 a.m. window, or maybe midnight to 6 a.m. window. But sorry, Doug, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, I mean, I, there definitely seemed like there was a lot of cars there still at the end. I was very surprised to see that many cars out there. But, I mean, that's just good to see. You know, everyone's out there figuring out, get good prep on their cars. And the whole point of it is you want to do the whole entire race, right? You don't want to be out early. Absolutely. And and what do you what one other one because uh, I'll get the last one. What was it like eating Lamar winning Ben Keating? Oh, it's actually funny. On a Friday night, Ben had came over. He was hanging out with us. We were chatting. He was telling us all his good stories he has about right. Lamans and his Daytona poles and stuff like that. And uh, it was on Friday. I don't know if anyone's seen their car had blown an engine, and they used straps around their lift gate and went through the cage of the car. And they lifted the car from the cage and did the engine out the bottom via the lift gate. Yeah, yeah they're <laughs> but, all Honda, uh, or Honda uh, technicians, so they knew. How yeah, to- yeah, yeah. He was telling us that the dealership guys come to his shop and build the engines. Uh, Ben's a good guy. We were hanging out with him on Friday. Yeah. Cool. I think. All right. Well, <laughs> before we go, you guys want to thank anybody? Uh yeah, sure. I want to thank Alex, Eric. Uh, for the opportunity to be able to do all this stuff. They take me with them on all their fun stuff. They let me drive the cars and, you know, I'm not, they don't have a ton of money, so I wouldn't be able to do this otherwise. And I just really appreciate them. And then Bridgestone also, Tom, bringing Tom along, brought their relationship with Bridgestone. And that was the best tire that you could run in champ car. That's without a doubt. And Tom, yeah, kind of the same. Oh, go ahead. I think I beat you to the question. You're going to ask the same. Well, I was going to ask the same, but I was also going to say, you know, if people want to want some coaching or have a car they want you to jump into, how do they get old? <laughs> sure. No, I mean, a definitely big thank you to Rockwell because, like I said, they're they're kind of the only team that really stayed in touch with me. I think uh, they've given me a lot of opportunity just to come join and hang out. And I don't know if they even said this or maybe people know the story, but this is kind of the race they started with back seven years ago with that cop car. And <laughs> and yeah, it's an IMSA team now and they've gone through all the, the levels of motorsports, but you could tell how special it was when, when we won this year and, and they finished third before and finished fourth before. It's like, we want to win. And when we won, it was like, you could tell it was this really special moment for coming over almost a decade, like really working this hard to get to that, that point. But, uh, and then definitely Bridgestone. I mean, we ran, we ran the RE71 RS, which is the fastest tire you can buy right now, but it also ran for over eight hours on our two of our cars, three stints in a row, like eight hours, eight hours, eight hours. Um, so I see people still running like the old stuff that lasts forever, get some new stuff that lasts forever. Cause it's, it's good. Um, and yeah, I do, I do private driver coaching and, uh, if I, I hope I get to race with Rockwell as often as I can, but if there's another one that they're not going to, I, uh, always happy to come throw my helmet on and be a part of a team. Cool. Awesome. Gentlemen, thank you. Uh, good luck. What's up next for you guys? Where are you going to be at next? Uh, we are at IMSA VIR in two weeks. We'll be back at VIR. Hopefully it's a little cooler out then, but who knows about that? But yeah, that's next for us on the schedule. Uh, I think Tom, we're grid life, right? Lime Rock. Yeah. Yeah. I'm headed to Lime Rock tomorrow for grid life. Um, this is my first time racing again this year. The car I won the championship in last year. So, uh, that'll be all live streamed. If you want to watch some more racing this weekend, you can bounce between IMSA and no, IMSA is not this weekend. So you can just watch grid life. This yeah, weekend. Champ <laughs> Do it, Gingerman, but I'm not. I'm only doing the March and Ants. I'm not doing a proper show because the guys need to sleep. So, sure, still weekend recovery. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for joining us here, and congratulations on your national championship and the Lifeline 24 Hour Classic at VIR. That was just 
McMahon. Thank you so much, Bill. Thank you, Brian. Absolutely. You guys take care. Thank you, guys. Uh, you guys have a good night. You yep. too. All right. Let's see if I can. There we go. Whoop. I hid the wrong guy. All right. There we go. <laughs> there, we go. <laughs> there we go. All right. Tom. Thanks, man. All right. Um, yeah. So that was fun. The, that was. Um, yep. And the, uh, the show was pretty awesome to run over that 37 hours. I think it was total that we did it. <laughs> I did get about an hour's sleep. I don't want to lie to anybody. Kind of passed out at one point, but, um, when was that about seven? You had just come back on. I think, I, I think I just came back on and, and we even, it was early in the night here too. I don't know what was going on, but, uh, Tiffany was doing an interview with someone and it was actually, it was a great interview. Uh, he'd come up to the booth, but I caught myself snoring twice. <laughs> and I came back on. I said, I want you guys all to know that it was not at all a reflection about who was talking or what they were talking about, how awesome the conversation was. Right. Um, I, I just, I, I'm an old man. And at 1130, I, I start to check out. It's tough. Um, and it's like, I got uh, wind. And, and David Haynes, yep. dude, I, 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 he is a trip. I just love broadcasting with him. Yeah, he's um, really good, very knowledgeable, has some good questions, very smart, very articulate when it comes to talking, unlike some of us. And, uh, but yeah, very, very good guy, and I love him on the show. Yep, absolutely. And Paulie did a great job. You did a great job. Tiffany was awesome, as always. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was a lot of fun, so. Now I would like to apologize for the uh, the lack of the log system. Um, you know, it's we'll get that fixed. It, it's tough to run all the things we were doing this weekend with the staff we had, and right. uh, yeah, so that that won't happen the rest of the year. Trust me. Um, we are. Oh, we want to listen to the uh, rest of the interview. So let me oh, see if yeah. we can do this without. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Visceral Racing, and. Uh, let me see if I can get this done. Don't go anywhere when we're back with this. We're going to have a little bit more to talk about. And uh, here we go. Maybe. Ron, man, that was tough. You guys had the lead and just little little things. But you know what? Second place is freaking hard to get here. Yes, it's hard to get any of the 24-hour races. Um, I was just doing the numbers and this is my 11th or 12th 24-hour race all with champ car um and i'm not done if you guys have more 24-hour races i'll be there yeah, we already do it yeah we we, we love them uh, you've won the the summer 24s we won the summer of 24s and we came close to winning the second summer of 24s but rva beat us out on it um but yeah but the 24s we love um this one is still being elusive for us um but it's, it's okay. We had a couple mistakes, so we didn't deserve to win today. We had a couple mistakes, and uh, we were leading for a while, long time, um, but our mistakes killed us a couple. So why didn't you come in during that last Code 35? I mean, not the last one, but you know, when I was talking to you. Why didn't you come in then? Um, we didn't need to. We were... Um, we were going to try... We were pushing towards trying to catch um, the number one car. And we were running very similar lap times. We were keeping pace with them. They were keeping pace with us, going back and forth. So we ended up burning too much fuel. So we ended up, all right, at this, I had a cutoff point. And once I reached that cutoff point, that's when we went into fuel conserve mode. And then we, then we went into the, even if we had pitted under 
a yellow after that we still wouldn't have made any difference right. in the race so that's why we're like all right let's just see what this happens let's see what happens so cool. all right who are your drivers today but i had like 10 drivers so okay. but uh so i had justin w was one of my drivers main driver um max Koff, um out from california flies all the way out from california to race with us um and champ car um and justin g um a long time champ car racer too he does a lot of races um has his own team and uh myself and who else oh kevin kevin uh, nls racing had some unfortunate incidents and they uh, let us borrow um, uh, one of their drivers, and he came out and did a fantastic job for us and helped us out. So, we'll see you in a couple of weeks at Thompson. Yes, you will, of yes, course. Will. Of course. <laughs> All right, man. Congrats. That's a hell of a hell of a race for us. All right, thank you. Bill. And we are back. We are back. We are back. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah like, so, subscribe, by the way. Yeah. I, I like the little graphics we got going on there. Yeah. Good I stuff. I to figure out how to do that. Separate us a bit there. Next time we'll figure that out. Hey, Sorry. so lots going on. Um, I head to, uh, I head out to uh, Gingerman tomorrow. I'm going to. Go about halfway. I think I'm gonna get to Dayton tomorrow afternoon, and then uh, arrive somewhere around lunchtime. And we'll uh, SCCA's got something going on at Gingerman tomorrow, so uh, we'll Jimmy and I will get a head start after they're done. Yeah, and we'll start setting Flagtronic, so we're ready to go on Friday. The track day on Friday, move in for Champ Car, and then we do an eight and seven hour um, at Gingerman. We still have some open spaces, so uh, if you on the fence about it come on out have some fun with us uh gingerman's a great little track to race at and uh it's lots of runoff there too which makes it yep. extremely uh you can really test some stuff out test your driving out too sure. so um oh yeah we got gingerman um then the following week we're uh headed to thompson speedway and that wow. one really, we're up to 45 cars the last i looked we might be up to uh, a lot of people love thompson yeah so yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a it's a it's a fun track i've driven it with a pace car i kind of at not speed but i was quick right so uh it, it should be it should be pretty fun um and then uh i don't know where we go oh mid-ohio after that one i think i think so, so is there a story behind the cookie cutter classic yeah gingerman oh gin gingerman <laughs> I, uh, gingerman you know, Sometimes I have to overcome my Polish. <laughs> gingerman. As in gingerman. I got you. I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> Anything else before we head out, Mr. Bill? Uh, toe straps. Remember those. You yeah. have, can't have them big old toe hooks hanging out of the cars anymore. That's a rule. That's a law. Yep. Um, or as we like to call them, can openers. Yep. Um Make sure you have the proper padding on your cars. Most of the cars do. We do have some coming from other series that are still using the pull foam. Uh, make sure anything over your head uh, is proper SFI, uh, FIA padding um, that doesn't turn to napalm when it, if it burns. Right, um, right. What else? Uh, you know, we should also congratulate all the other class winners. Oh, you yeah. Know? yeah. I know we talked about yeah, Whitten yeah. Hour and, um, and, and F class, which was really impressive, the 11th place finish overall. but. 
you know, to be a class winner, I know Champ Car focuses more on the overall than the class winning, but uh, to be a class winner after 24 hours is pretty darn cool, regardless of, uh, of all of that kind of stuff. So a big, big round of applause uh, to all the folks who made it to the finish line first in their class. I mean, everybody, even, I mean, I would say everybody that finished the race, because that, sure. is, that is one of the 24 at VIR is one of the hardest races to go to. Dark, yeah. it's hot, it can be cold, it can be foggy, it can be rainy, and I'm going back to the beginning of this, of the yep. of our 24s there. We have yep. a date for next year. We're going back, doing another 24, so it's back on the, ca- or not back on the, it's on the calendar, never left it, but uh, it's, uh, it's, put it on your calendar. You got to yep. do it. You got to do it more than once because you're going to fail the first time. You got to go back and just keep trying until you do it. It's, look at Rockwell. I mean, they failed yep. and failed and failed. Took them a long time, but they finally won it. So do I know the date for, uh, yes, I do, but I can't say it. <laughs> trying, to trick me, trying to trick me. I do know where the national championship is, but again, I can't, can't say, say it. anything. Um, I don't even know the nope. answers to those questions. Nope. I, I, nope. Bill, Bill knows I can't keep a secret. So I, I know if I know a bunch of stuff, we had our meeting, so don't be an IMSA weekend. Uh, I don't think so because uh, you know, because VIR and IMSA have their race weekends. We actually moved our weekend so that IMSA could be at VIR. So yeah, yeah. it's not during an IMSA weekend. Trust me. Cool. So, um, and I, I put to wait, I put to, well, I have a calendar where I put all the racing series, including NASCAR, Indy and all that. And I yep. put all their schedules on it as they start releasing them so that uh, we can see what's going, you know, I want to see the excuses these guys come up with one year. We put on a race at, in Oregon and they were complaining that Indy was going to be racing somewhere in Oregon that month, that year. And I'm like, just record it on TV. And I'll tell you the hate mail I got <laughs> was insane. Yeah. You know, Chiswick just didn't under, I'm like, dude, look what this guy just told me. Look, you know, look at this woman or person. And it's like, holy cow, they take their indie car seriously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he was saying people that hated that we changed our name to Champ Car too. So, well, but, probably so. Yeah. All right, Brian. Um, like I said, I'm leaving tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon, and uh, it'll be another fun weekend away and of racing. Go. And uh, we hope to see you guys there and uh, watch for the marching ants. They'll be up and we'll have our log going. And I might have a couple of cameras out there. I just got a couple of ideas from Tim. He, uh, he, I might, I might be able to take all the ca- or a few cameras with me to throw in some cars and throw up on the web. So, all right, all right. guys. That's going to do it for another episode of Inside Champ Car. If you like what you heard or watch, subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel so you won't miss any episodes. It would also be great if you share it on your social media channels, comment on the Champ Car Facebook page, especially if it's a good one. We have new episodes every Tuesday night live on YouTube and then put the podcast up on Thursday mornings. He's Bill Strong. I'm Brian Polanski. This is the Racing Wire Podcast Network and Champ Car Live on YouTube. Have a great week, everybody.